Hi guys, I'm Brad Montgomery and this is The Breakdown. And here we take a look at different topics in science, investing, and psychology. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and today we're talking about psychology and the mind. I'm here with Celeste Novatis, Chief of Clinical Services. And Celeste, we're gonna be talking about psychology. One of the things that we're gonna be talking about, it's post-pandemic, Let's talk about where we are, especially as far as stress levels and how things have changed. We are still in the pandemic as far as stress levels go. I know health-wise we've made really great strides, vaccination rates, hospitalization rates, everything like that. But from a mental health standpoint, we are definitely still in the thick of things, I would say. Um, I think people are recognizing their mental health, that they've tried to push back or pay less attention to. They were so hyper-focused on staying away from COVID that right. we really suppressed our emotional health and so it came, it became secondary and, and so now that we've basically come back into society if you will uh you know lockdowns everything has been lifted we're out and about again one of the things i noticed people were less a little less patient with each other because they hadn't been around each other that was kind of interesting to see in some of the parking lots at times at some of the stores and stuff but what are some of the things that you're seeing or that you're hearing about that specifically people are kind of going through in this kind of readjustment but kind of not totally adjusting out of phase from the pandemic I almost call it a re-entry, like socially re-entering the world. Um, we all are of a certain age and we know how the world works. Right. But have you traveled recently? Like I went to an airport for the first time in a long yeah. time and I was like, I forgot what this was like. Right. Like feeling like cattle being herded through and I hadn't had that in a while. So some anxiety around that. I've heard lots of my clients and colleagues talk about just being in large crowds. Like we missed concerts and right. we missed social gatherings. But it's a little anxiety provoking for some of us because we've been isolated for so long. Yeah. So definitely some anxiety spiking up. And then again, social norms. Like I know how to say hello to you because I'm a human and so are you, but right. do I shake your hand? Do I fist bump you? Right. I think at one point I curtsied in front of somebody just right. awkwardly. Yeah. Like, it's just been a lot of anxiety, social norms. And then I think also a lot of um, grief and loss, you know, grieving our That's sense true. of normalcy, grieving the people that have passed away, right. um, just our, our routines and our systems and grieving the changes of all of that. So it's a yeah. mixed bag of emotions. And it's really interesting that you mentioned the grieving, not of the loved ones, it's something many of us have gone through. I lost a cousin, but even the the sense of normalcy, and it's, it's, it's interesting you phrased it that way because I didn't really know how to put it into words, but I have a six-year-old daughter and going into it, I kind of tried to keep her, keep it from her. And I saw her at one point putting little masks on her little dolls. And I was like, you know, it kind of broke my heart in a way, knowing that she was going to see a world that was different from one previous to the pandemic. Now I'm pretty much okay. I mean, yeah, whether you're okay with it or not, it is what it is. But she seems to be okay with it. And that, that kind of gives me, I guess, a sense of relief. I guess maybe that's something you could kind of take, you know, comfort in, in a way. Um, is that what you're seeing with people when you talk about like grieving the, the new era that we're in? It, yeah. is, is it part of like a grieving that we have to change or is it part of just like a grieving into this adjustment period and, and eventually things are going to return to normal? ish or I think it's a little bit of both I think some people's normal has completely gone upside down okay so to say that things are gonna go back is just unrealistic right and so there is a sense of loss there and I think for others it's acknowledging you know their their children are living very different lives than them yeah. And, yeah. and feeling like I know I'm not a parent but I know parents are like 
wanting to change that or fix that for them. And it's yeah, like, I did. This is their world. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the best kids, are, the best people wearing masks are like three-year-olds. True. They just like slip them on and they're good to go. Um, but that is their world. That's their normal. And I'm sure our parents felt the same way for us about who knows right. what the issue Something that. happened. Yeah. yeah um, and we turned out okay. So just recognizing that the, the ideas that we had or the uh, life that we had planned out maybe grieving Different that. course. Yeah. Um, and not a massive different course, but just a slight. Sure. Yeah. Um, for some people, though, maybe bigger than others. And so I want to talk about that, too, because you mentioned uh, also grieving of the loss of loved ones. What are some of the tools that people can use kind of within themselves to kind of help get through that or make that a little easier? That's never easy to begin with. But just to help in that area as far as like tools that someone else, maybe tools that someone can use to do that. The best piece of advice I can give for folks who are grieving is the idea that grief is linear, changing that. Grief is not linear. Everybody wants it to be the seven stages of grief. Like right. you go through oh, yeah. and you mark each box. The seven stages of grief are wonderful. It's science-based, it's research, wonderful. Right. But it doesn't mean they're in a linear order. Mm-hmm. You might go from one to two, back to five, right. right? And that's okay. And I think there's this pressure that it's been six months, I should be feeling better. Or it's been two years, why am I still feeling this way? And right. so a lot of self-compassion and practicing that when navigating whatever grief and loss that you're processing, being really self-compassionate and gentle with yourself is one of the best pieces of advice I could give. And I think that's that's a very good point because there's that old saying, time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think it's more time softens the blow mm-hmm. a little bit, but that right. doesn't really completely take away right. some of that pain. And, and so, so, and not just the loss and grief, but how can now you talk about with this new, new post pandemic era, you know, we're talking about seeing more stress just in general. What are some things people can do to try to mitigate some of that, those kind of amped up stressful feelings that some people may be feeling? I think acknowledging the fact that we put our mental health on the back burner, so many of us did for the last two years, and so recognizing that this is at the forefront. I am physically safe now, right? This is right. great. You know, things have, the dust has settled in some places. I now know what my work schedule is going to be, whereas maybe I didn't for a while, and there right. was some fear there. Um, sort of the bigger boxes checked and feeling like, okay. So it kind of takes stock in the good yeah. things, the and progress. What, what has been in the back burner, though? What has been neglecting? What has been neglected by you during that time? Um, for Because you had to, right? Um, but now we're at a place where we are re-entering the world. Now we can take better care of our mental health, acknowledging the fact that, you know what? I have not been to the primary care doctor I've been needing to see my physical uh, health. Right, um, yeah. I have had this terrible crippling anxiety that everybody else is experiencing, so it was fine. And well, now everybody's settling down and I'm still feeling really revved up. Right. Let's pay attention to that and really assessing what needs to take priority so that you can do well. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. And a lot of that even comes down to just maybe eating more regular, which maybe you got away from. You know, a lot of things that people got away from, some of the, the that stuff can kind of maybe correct and make you feel a little more balanced too. So, and so that's some of the biggest things that you guys are seeing. Basically, it's grief of loss, grief of change. And then also just stress levels being being higher. Is there anything that that on, on the periphery that are kind of lesser that you guys are concerned with? Maybe some stuff in in, in children or some stuff maybe in, in schools or. I'm, I'll be honest. I've talked a lot about this with colleagues of mine that I'm, I am worried about our children okay. and the fact that um, this has been really stressful for them. Yeah. 
and normally parents have experience when they're working with their kids mm. and in this case you guys were experiencing simultaneously okay and that can be hard so if our, they don't have someone to go to right well if our parents are saying it's fine it's fine it's fine mm -hmm. but you right. know bursting at the seams it. with yeah. anxiety then the kids are like are you fine am mm. i fine right. um and that's to nobody's fault but i think learning how you know adults watch the news read the paper all yeah. that stuff and can be like oh, okay we're good now and I think kids are looking for cues like are we, are we okay are we not mm -hmm. um, so I'm seeing some of that and I think I worry about the fact that they you know emotional regulation is a, a skill set mm -hmm. that we as adults have to develop over time and right. kids have a harder time with that and take a little bit longer to do that and if we're not teaching that they're having a harder time. Mm -hmm. So those outbursts and you're like, whoa, what's going, where did that uh, come from? Okay. Interesting. Um, so teaching that and I've seen, but I am seeing a lot of like SEL, social emotional learning in schools, I'm seeing all of those changes. So I'm hopeful, but it is something I'm, all of us are keeping an eye on. And how long do you think, because you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you look at things like the housing market, you know, it, 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 it has like we're having now, it balloons up but then it corrects, but most things don't ever correct to the, the initial place they were. And that's kind of what you were alluding to earlier. We're in this new area, so we're probably gonna get even a little closer to what we called normal or pre-pandemic, but it's gonna be in a different area where we settle out. So how, how what can we expect over like the next year or two? I mean, anxiety and stress levels gonna drop maybe 80%, maybe 40%, or are we still gonna need to use these tools over the next year to kind of, what are you guys seeing when you, when you forecast out as far as this post-pandemic, even stress levels in the next year or two, yeah. just in general? I wish I had a number. Okay. You know, it's tough because none of us have, clinicians have experienced a pandemic either. So we're right there with everybody else yeah. experiencing this in real time. I do foresee though, things starting to settle out as far as anxiety, stress levels. Um, but I also think we are having more conversations about mental health, even in, in my career. Interesting. Ten years ago, I don't know if I'd be invited to have this conversation. True. Um, and so that's exciting to me. So even if it does feel like there's a spike as far as people seeking help, it might also be just the fact that we've normalized reaching out for help, which is great. True. And that's the goal to begin with. So yeah, we kind of pushed want... in an area we had to. Right. Some people. So I don't want people to be like, oh, now our anxiety rates are higher because of this, when really it's we're finally reaching out for the help we needed. Oh, interesting. Got it. Interesting. Now, I want to also talk about, too, um, what are some ways that this is, this is kind of like pivoting from post-pandemic, which is very, very, very important, obviously, but what are some ways that we can make our lives just better in general overall when it comes to good habits and good routines? And this is one that I'd wanted to share, you know, I, and I kind of tested myself and, you know, it's weird. They say we're, we're afraid of change, whether it can be bad change, of course, or good change can be scary too. People don't realize that. A lot of people don't realize that. But um, the, the routine that I implemented was I'm going to do the dishes every time after I eat. I'm going to do all the dishes, no matter how many there are. And I've done that 99% of the time over the past six months. That's nothing crazy. It's, it, it's, it, it was a kind of a test. And what was amazing to me is now, after I'm done eating or we have a meal, I, the dishes are done. And sometimes there are so many dishes where the next day I go back into the kitchen and they're done and I don't even remember doing them. So that's, that is pretty incredible. So, so what, how would you like, where, first, 
how would you would you suggest somebody start a routine like that or mm-hmm. to, to better their lives? And also, what what routines would be most beneficial to people to start to maybe better their lives? Sure. Well, I have a question for you then. Yeah. When you see the dishes when you're coming out the morning after, let's say, yeah. and you see that the sink is beautiful and put away, and yeah. everything, how do you feel? Less stressed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that that's why I do reward, it. Yeah. Right. Is the satisfying reason why you're like that's why I do it. This is great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're positively reinforcing your own behavior. Ah. Okay. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with any habit, it takes small, small, small steps. Right. I think people want to lose 20 pounds in two weeks right. or start spring cleaning every single Sunday, and it's right. like that's not sustainable. It's not realistic. So any small step is. A step in the right direction okay. so setting smaller more realistic goals what are something the things that are stressing you out like for me when I come home if there's like stuff all over the floor mm-hmm. for whatever reason it drives me bonkers like, right I just <laughs> I hate it yeah. and for somebody else that wouldn't bother them at right. all right um, my daughter <laughs> yes mostly people with small children are right. just like this is our life <laughs> we're used to it yeah. I'm like <gasps> like I need to pick it up right. so before going to bed I, I have to clean everything up on the floor so that way when I wake up in the morning when I come back from work I know that I can see what's going on um i want i want to before you go on real quick on on some more routines on how how to do that i do want to mention too and you mentioned this as well in the small steps it's important and i heard i had heard this said and it it is really important too if you take a half step backward don't beat yourself up too hard that's i think that's part of the small step key you know people like beat themselves up so hard then they give up on it and then that's not the point of it that's it's the small steps that get you in the right direction you will default to your uh to your routine, not not your best self. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, fine, but you better do it tomorrow. Right. If it's tomorrow, 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 well, now you've fallen out of that habit into some other ones. Right. And so it is okay. You miss a day, it'll be fine. Right. You miss one day of dishes, we'll be okay. Right. I can't see the floor one day, it'll be alright. Right. Um, but if it becomes insurmountable and it's just overwhelming, and then it causes the anxiety that we were trying to curb mm. with this habit, mm-hmm. we're not doing great. So start small. Be gentle with yourself. I love that you added that. It's okay if you miss a day or two, but I think that's also why we need to set more realistic habits and routine changes instead of, you know, I'm gonna run a mile every morning before work. Like, right. are you though? Yeah. I listened to <laughs> an ungodly amount of podcasts and books, but one of them was like, I, I would work out for five minutes a day every day. And somebody might say, minutes isn't doing anything right but it's a small step towards yeah, progress doing something, yeah. you're already there you've yeah. made the behavior change and so from there you know you can add more time things like that but committing to something that is realistic and sustainable yeah even if it's small will make a longer impact and it's it's, it's it's the funny thing is it's almost easier to do it that way because mm-hmm. I, I had done some cardio and when I would when I was starting off I was I didn't really want to go But I think part of it is just going to the gym at the time. And then I just added 30 seconds to the cardio every time. And then over about six months, I was beyond where I'd wanted to be. And I didn't notice it hardly. But if you had done it the first day, Uh, you would have been sore, miserable. Maybe not have come back. No. And it's funny (laughs) because when I was doing some research on your podcast, you even talk about investing. Yeah. You don't invest $100,000 your first. Right. (laughs) Like, let's see where this goes out. No, you don't. That would be... Horrific. Right, right. Um, and probably not possible. But the same thing goes, you make little steps at a time. Yeah. And that's how we create habits. And okay, so, and also what we're talking about, um, maybe some other, what are some other good habits that you could, that would add benefit to your life? I was thinking there was one that I had thought about being on time. Mm. Um, and that, that could be one that you could kind of go in rather slow 
and then kind of tweak it as you go. And then before you know it, you're kind of a master of time. Um, I think I think being kind of a master of time really can dictate what you can do through your day and actually make your day and yourself a lot more productive. Um, what do you think about people and time management? How important is that to becoming a better person or a better individual, even as far as interacting with other people? It's a great skill. I mean, being punctual is so uh, underrated in yeah. the hit book. Um, and I think a lot of the the smaller skills that I would recommend are those Okay. Kind of basic, but really impactful. Things like making your bed every morning. I mean, people mm. have written books on how that can change your whole day. Okay. Um, working on time management, working on getting five minute walks in. See where what areas of your life are causing you the most stress or okay. the most complaints. Like, God, I'm always late. It's just so stressful. Okay, so that clearly is where we can start small there. Okay. Right? Right. Um, what are those daily stressors that you hear yourself complaining about or you're having dinner with family or friends? Okay. Target that. Okay. So actually, like, maybe stop, take note before you forget. Maybe just on your phone, write a little note, and then you can maybe, that's a stressor, that's something I can work on, and then over time, you'll see results, you'll feel better. It reduces your stress. That's interesting. Okay. Um, and I also want to talk about, too, where, so we, we talk about, th this kind of pivots to something that I love talking about, and it's how to be more rational. I think because the more rational you are, the more closely tied you are to reality itself, and then the better the decisions you can then make from there. I think what, what, what holds us up, and it, there's a couple things on this. One is emotion. And I remember someone asked me a question one time, and I, I had heard the answer a little while back, but they had they come out of a relationship, and they they were like rationally they could they could get it, but emotionally they were still struggling, you know. And they said, "Boy," and I said, "Because because rationally your mind can make that hard turn, right. but emotionally it's like trying to turn a cruise ship around. <laughs> if, if we could do that emotionally." Well. <laughs> that may not be so good, actually, maybe if we could do that emotionally just like that. But but emotionally, it is slower than rationally mm -hmm. to come out of something, a traumatic experience or something that, that was hard for you to deal with. So so how? what are some keys, some things that we can do to try to keep our brains like more rational and maybe less emotional? Not zero emotion. No, we but, love emotions. Yeah, emotions are great. They're great. But... but Ration is great as well. <laughs> right. So it's not that we want to get rid of emotion. We want to regulate emotions. Okay. Because logic is great, but some people have made some very, what they feel to be logical decisions uh, that an outsider might be like, you right, know, not a great right, move. So right. being cautious of that. Um, I think what's tough about emotions, and I'm a therapist. I've been a therapist for over 10 years, so okay. I love feelings. Okay, right. You're on that side of it. Right? Yes, I'm on the other side of that, where I'm like, this is great, let's regulate them. Um, it's a phrase that, that we hear a lot in therapy world, and that is, your feelings are valid, okay. they are not facts. Ah, so your emotions okay. are valid, they okay. are not facts. Okay. I feel really... Um, like you've been ignoring me right. or you've been avoiding me. Right. And emotionally I'm feeling that. Right. But it may not but logically, be true. factually. Yeah. Factually you have not. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's something I have, you know, with even my friends when we're texting about stuff, like, I feel like he's blowing me up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let's look at the facts. You know, let's look <laughs> at the let's screenshot the group text, right. the Go text back. and see. Yeah. <laughs> Find the evidence. But so acknowledging that your emotions okay. are, are real and valid. Um, but are not factual. Because I think what we do a lot of times is 
that's stupid. Right. So we suppress it. Well, that makes that cruise ship a lot harder to turn because mm. it's not going away. Right, 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 right. The more that we just like shove it. Yeah, you can't bury reality. Dark. No. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. So they say, what? what is it? Uh, if you, it'll catch up with you oh, yeah. eventually. Mm -hmm. and, and it may not catch up with you in a way that, what is that? You want to, you want to slay the dragon when it's little. Right. It's, yeah. So. And it's usually popping up at a time that's super inconvenient. Uh, if we okay. don't. Okay. Right. So in, also in therapy world, we talk about if you can name it, then you can tame it. Mm. So if I acknowledge my emotions, if I if I can identify what it is that's troubling me, then I can work to regulate that emotion. Okay. Versus this is stupid. This is stupid. I don't know why I'm feeling like this. I just need to get over it. And then that comes up at a really inconvenient time, like mm -hmm. a board meeting or something in public, right? And it's like this outburst. And you're like. Where'd that come from? I'm just dealing with the breakup. I'm really sorry. Right. Or whatever was yeah. going on with that friend. Um, and so taking the time to really name that emotion, okay. try to tame it, trying to look at emotional regulation skills. And that's, I mean, therapy, we're great for that. Um, but there's a lot of self-help books as well for that, learning how to regulate those emotions. And that's interesting because that's something you can do on your own. And that's something I, just, I literally just learned today. So would you suggest that almost like building better routines, you know, small, one step at a time, would you kind of suggest the same as far as, yeah. you know, trying to be more rational, trying to, trying to, trying to, like you said, maybe control the emotions better. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe just kind of take stock, make a little note on your phone. Yeah, this is, you know, this is bothering me. This is what can I do to have a bigger look at this so it doesn't crop up later at a, at a misopportune time. Or... And, and recognizing that if I'm in a really highly emotional state, I shouldn't be making really big decisions. Yes, I've heard that too. Right, the yeah. HALT method. Yep. You're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Right. This is not the time to buy a house. Right. Or... Yeah. You know, take out your 401k. Yeah. Like, no. Yep. You know. I, I've had people, I even, I've had people ask me questions every now and then. And it's like, I just, maybe in a week. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, when, you, when you're thinking clear, I guess right. is what we more commonly call it as. But yeah. And it's just emotionally regulating so that you can make more logical decisions. Because otherwise, I mean, the Snickers bar commercials even, they're like, here, you're like you're being a diva, right? Right. That whole thing is based off of if we're not emotionally regulated, right. we can be really crabby and make some really bad choices. That's really interesting. So, okay. So, and, and, and then do some people kind of just like everything in life, maybe lend themselves to more rationale and then others maybe a little bit less, but it can be worked on, I guess, yeah. either way. I would okay. say it's a lot more self-awareness. Okay. And that's, that's the other thing too. So to be more rational, I hear that being said, you need to be very self-aware. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you don't see often and like you'd like to see more of in people and if, if, if people okay so and that's fair so then how do we become more self-aware how do we not just look in the mirror and you know tie our tie and comb our hair and get ready for work how do we actually become more self-aware of what's inside and what we're thinking and how do we how do you do that I think even just as basic as checking in with ourselves a lot of people say I'm self-aware I know I'm Hungry. High maintenance or, oh, or I'm, oh. you know, and it's almost like <laughs> yeah, a personality yeah. trait, right? right? Like I'm this way. Um, but our, our emotional state can change from hour to hour, you know, meal to meal. And so I even tell, I teach some of my clients this, is to have tea every breakfast, lunch, dinner. Okay. So it's thoughts, your emotions, and your affect, T-E-A. Okay, okay, tea. okay. Yeah. Um, so what am I thinking about right now? I'm focused a lot on 
uh, like my car, I know I need an oil change. So thinking about what what are the thoughts that are racing? Okay. Because if you're asking me a question and think about my oil change, right. I'm not going to answer your question appropriately. Right. And and that I guess and maybe to it's funny you kind of mention oil change. The stuff we have to do in our daily lives yeah. does that make us put off our own self awareness? If we don't have them in check. Okay. Right. I think. I'm a list person. Okay. Writing out lists. What are we doing? What's priority? Because if everything is priority one, uh -huh. it all just happens randomly. Right? Yeah. Okay. Or where do I even begin? And that can be really overwhelming, shut down, and then none of it gets done. So I'm identifying what is priority, putting them in a list, putting them in order, almost like an order of attack. Like, what do I need to get done? What's realistic? What can I get done today? Okay. Oil change is not happening. Right. Um, but I can call my mom back because she's been calling me and then where should we put ourselves on that list oh, I'd say at the top. okay interesting okay <laughs> yeah. so let's jump back to T T E A mm -hmm. so how, how how would that work like over a span of time for making you be more aware of, of like who you are just yeah. and what you're thinking and how you're approaching the world mm -hmm. I I recommend people do it three times a day three times a day just because it's breakfast lunch dinner have a cup of tea it's easy to remember yeah okay um, but I think the more we practice the more really self-aware we are and then our other you know my colleagues we have a culture of that language if I talk to one of my coworkers and I say you know what I don't have the bandwidth for it right now okay. let's talk later tonight like the modern term yeah <laughs> that's funny but we have that language and it's not weird and and, yeah. and my coworker isn't feeling put off by like she knows that I'm really self-aware I trust that she's self-aware so we've created this we've cultivated yeah. this culture and this language I have a coworker that. the same way oh nice in-depth in in question she's like I'm too tired just wait on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm just, you know, my mind is not. Because otherwise it's going to be yeah, not the quality right. I want it yeah. to be. And then later it's like, oh, why did I do that? So having that self-awareness doesn't mean saying yes to everything. Right. It also means having boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And that's very important too because I think, you know, you get asked to do this and that and the other. And if you say yes, 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 you do kind of box yourself in. Right. Uh, real real quick question on, on boundaries because, you know, obviously you want to be helpful to the world you know you know you don't want to just be helpful for you you know you, you want to be doing good and stuff like that so so how, how do you suggest people kind of place the boundaries as far as how much to give to yourself how much to give to others I guess if you can't give to yourself and keep yourself healthy then you can't really right exactly. help others as well either I mean I, I stole this quote from somebody I don't know who it is if I find I'll send you the reference but a boundary is where I can love myself and you at the same time so it doesn't mean that I don't want to talk to you, I don't need you, or like stay out of my sort of bubble. It just means like I know you need from me, I know I need from you, and this is what I've got right now. And okay. some days it might be out here, and right. other days it might be right so here. So it can move a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. that it's a balance. Right. Okay. And there's a trust there, right? If somebody's asking me to do something and I say no, it's not because I hate them and I think they're terrible. It's right. because I don't have the capacity. So then it gives them permission to say no when they need it as well. The boundaries make the world go around. I could do a whole lecture on that That's my theory, cool. but <laughs> okay. nice, awesome. Well, it was great talking to you, Celeste. And uh, we're gonna get to. Um, if, what, I was gonna ask you, what are some of the resources that people? Because very important, if they feel they they need to reach out, especially where we are right now. Uh, what are some resources that people can go to? We have a lot of really great resources with EHN, and it's going to be our crisis hotline, 779-1800. We've also got our services website, EHN or emergencehealthnetwork.org, and our EHN virtual relaxation room. Highly recommend. So you can pull it up on your desktop. We've got meditation, relaxation, things to just sort of soothe your mind, even if you're at work. 
That's pretty awesome. Well, thank you very much, Celeste Navarro, for joining us on The Breakdown. Thank you for having me.